Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Market Place Risk Advisory Board Chair L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on all things startups. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and experts tackling a myriad of topics facing the marketplace and sharing economy startup ecosystem. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle. Hello, and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Lee, who is founder and CEO of Loopy. John, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Elle. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I'm going to get you to tell us a bit about what Loopy is, because it's literally one of my favorite brand names from a marketplace that exists. So I'm excited to to, um, to hear how it came about and, and all about what you do. But first of all, it was great to meet you in person at the Marketplace Risk Management Conference in San Francisco last month. So um, brilliant that you came along. Did you Did you enjoy it? Oh, yes. I, I thought it was perhaps the most relevant conference that I've attended uh, throughout my tenure as a as a founder and CEO of Loopy. Um, so thank you for uh, facilitating and, and inviting me. Oh, that's brilliant. Great to hear. And relevant just because, I mean, obviously, we're lots of marketplaces and lots of people working in, in the same space uh, as you. But what any particular highlights? Well, for me, I mean, there are so many great sessions, so many relevant, you know, speakers there. Um, but even just, you know, I, I had the great opportunity to, um, you know, co-host a few sessions myself. And, and one of them was, you know, CEO um, perspectives on, on risk across different verticals. And so, you know, uh, on that session, there's, you know, Lynn Perkins, who's the CEO of Urban Sitter. And, and just, you know, seeing other CEOs trying to scale or, or in, in the process of scaling um, a similar marketplace and, and basically having um, similar issues, uh, even though they're solving and tackling different problems uh, is, I don't know, reassuring uh, might be a word, um, <laughs> but it was, it was really, um, you know, cool to see and, and talk to people who are going through the same struggles Fantastic. as other marketplace founders. That's great. That's great. So I will stop my promotion of the marketplace risk in-person events now and ask you about Loopy because it's a fascinating model. And I know that sometimes we do call it Loopy Laundry, which helps people to maybe understand a bit more exactly what you do. But please tell me and um, our listeners what the model is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the three-word uh, description uh, that I use, usually use is Uber for laundry, uh, sometimes Lyft for laundry for the alliteration. Um, but in reality, what, what we're doing is we're connecting and providing a marketplace, uh, a managed marketplace model for people to um, solve their laundry problems. Um, and so what we do is we connect people who hate doing laundry with individuals who hopefully enjoy doing laundry and, and more importantly, are looking for a way to participate within the gig economy from the comfort of home and allow them to monetize their everyday washer and dryer and turn that into um, a revenue generating machine. Um, because as we all know, our washers and dryers are sitting idle uh, the vast majority of the time when we're not doing our personal laundry. And I think in light of 
um, you know, the progress that we've seen within the gig economy, there's really become a need uh, for uh, there to be opportunities that don't necessarily involve, um, you know, going out into the world and, and you know, driving, um, you know, food or grocery delivery or, or you know, a, a ride sharing platform. So um, we're excited to try to build this uh, a new platform in Loopy and um, our, you know, mission at Loopy is to improve lives through laundry. And I think we can do that for both our customers and we call them certified Loopy washers uh, on the other side. Amazing. And how did you come up with this idea? Because it's, I always think it's an incredible mix of, of the sharing and gig economy because the underutilized asset is is the actual washing machine. And, and there's a skill being shared as well and a service being offered. So it, it, it's almost a complex model, but at the same time, when you think about it, just it was almost waiting to happen because it makes so much sense. Yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, when I reflect back on, you know, what my mindset was when I first got started, it was really about, um, you know, innovating on the consumer side, because I lived in a apartment that did not have an in-unit washer and dryer. Um, so that's really where I started thinking about the problem. And then, and then as I was thinking about the problem, um, I was able to, you know, think about um, potential solutions in a way, I think that I sort of had a unique perspective. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think at some point I figured, you know, well, wouldn't it be interesting if we gave people an opportunity to, um, you know, participate and, you know, experience the gig economy and make some extra cash on the side doing laundry? And how great would it be if we connected those people with potential customers like myself back in the day when I didn't have an unit washer and dryer? And I thought that, you know, the model, um, you know, would be something that was very scalable, uh, but also just, you know, it makes more sense in 2022 um, than, you know, a more traditional business model for laundry delivery mm, service. Mm. And tell me about your your users and your providers on two sides of the, the marketplace and and really, I suppose, how you um, how you reach out to them in the first place because and what sort of people they are. Because presumably there are people that, as you say, might want to get involved in the gig economy but don't want to be out driving or delivering. And this maybe enables them to do something maybe on top of another job or childcare or it's a bit more flexible. I'm just trying to pick to that person and then on on the other side maybe we're talking to people who as you did didn't have the the washing machine in your apartment and but you know do have that maybe disposable income to to actually to seek this this service so do you have those sort of I suppose avatars or profiles of what these people might look like and and has it surprised you that that maybe people who, who didn't you didn't expect have come onto the platform Oh, yes. I mean, that probably is one of the big single biggest, uh, you know, revelations I had <laughs> after launching the business, because, you know, you launch this thing and you sort of assume, OK, you know, the go to customer is going to be somebody like me back in the day. You know, they don't have access to a, a washer and dryer and therefore they have a high pain point and then they order. Um, but what we found in, you know, across the nine cities that we've launched so far is that some of our best customers, they actually have 
access to a washer and dryer, whether it's in their building or or they live in a you know single family house, um, but then they don't have the time um, or potentially energy to do the laundry and they do have the disposable income. And so that was, you know, a really, um, I think, beneficial uh, change in, in direction for us. You know, we still have plenty of apartment um, and hotel customers as well as um, commercial clients as well. Um, but just sort of realizing that, you know, in the same way that I'm sure you, you and, and, and I and, and most people have, have used a food delivery service, even though mm-hmm. we have the ability to go to the restaurant ourselves and pick it up or even make our own food at home. Yeah. Um, I found that laundry is a similar problem where it's like eating. You, you sort of just have to do it um, with a certain amount of regularity. And my hope at scale is that people know that even if you do your own laundry, you know, a few times, um, you know, a month, there might be there might be a, a, a week, right, um, where you're just over capacity, you might have kids at home, you might, um, you know, you and your partner might be working full time. And so in, it's in those moments that I would love for people to realize that actually, you have an alternative to either doing it yourself or letting it sit in a, in a pile uh, in your laundry hamper. Um, and whether you use Loopy or another um, you know, laundry delivery service, uh, my goal is to make sure that consumers know that they have options. And then on the washer side, I think we found some similar revelations there. Um, you know, when we started, we um, didn't necessarily know what to expect um, and how to, you know, scale this thing because it hadn't really been done before. Um, but what I found has been so helpful for us is, um, you know, having a little bit of nuance when it comes to thinking about who qualifies as a certified loopy washer. Cause at first I was thinking, Oh, well, anyone who wants to sign up can do it. Um, <laughs> then as it turns out, there's very particular profiles of people that make phenomenal loopy washers. Um, usually. And, and so this makes sense now in hindsight, but, um, at first I, d- I thought, well, you know, if people want to become a certified loopy washer and, you know, work, um, you know, out of a shared laundry room, that doesn't sound like the worst thing, but it turns out that's, there's too many variables there. So, you know, people have, if they want to be a in-home loopy washer, they have to have, you know, access to their own washer and dryer. It can't be a shared unit. Um, cause that's right. just a disaster waiting to happen. Um, and then the other small thing on that front is, uh, you know, partnering with local mom and pop, uh, laundry shops and laundromats. Um, I also didn't necessarily realize how beneficial that could be until they started reaching out to us and saying, hey, we're looking for ways to boost our revenue. Um, You know, is there any way we can, you know, sign up to be a washer on your platform? And obviously, as it turns out, they have way more capacity than a single, you know, in-home washer. And so for us, it's not about either or it's about, you know, welcoming in as many people as we can help with our platform. Mm-hmm. And they're using the marketplace, you know, to, uh, you know, as a, a kind of added extra extension of their services, extension of their offering, um, which, you know, works out for everyone as well, presumably. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have some laundromat partners where they've even, you know, reached out to me and said that Loopy has single handedly doubled or even tripled the, their walk in um, wash and fold revenue. Um, and so Amazing. oftentimes it's, 
it's these businesses that, you know, are looking for um, additional support. And then mm -hmm. for, for them, it's a great situation because we're giving them orders that never would have yeah. you know walked in yeah so you're not competing so talk me about talk to me about the um you talk about certified loopy washes let's go through this onboarding process because i think this uh, from a, a, a sort of trust and safety standpoint this is very interesting yeah. because you've talked about nine cities you're obviously scaling how do you keep tabs on this process and and how does this certification work and and is there friction there does it sort of prevent you being able to do it as fast as you would like how do you speed up that process yeah that's a great question l and i would just say it has been and continues to be a work in progress that i think at the end of the day is um you know so much of um you know the struggle that we're facing in getting from say nine cities to 90 cities to 900 cities. Um, and so we're working on it. Um, now the good news is I think at this point we've done over 55,000 loopy laundry duffel bags worth of laundry. And so with that comes a lot of learning opportunity and ways we can iterate and improve the process, you know, very small things to very big things um, on the washing front. Now, in terms of certifying the washers, uh, we'll have them go through our, weekly um, washer orientation um, you know we will it, it's almost like a, a, a zoom call and they'll meet our operations uh, management team and you know they'll share some slides on everything from you know uh, this is what the loopy laundry duffel bag looks like to these are the materials we will provide you to set you up for success as a washer to these are our expectations when it comes to folding t-shirts. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, you know, our goal with this is to really create as streamlined and as simple and as fair of a um, solution as possible so that we can have standard, you know, service across the board. Ideally, you could order the service in Seattle um, on Monday, fly to Austin, Texas on Wednesday, and then maybe return home to Washington, D.C., on the weekend, order Loopy all three times um, and not be able to tell the difference. <laughs> um, so that's, and we've actually had people do just that um, where, you know, they, they'll, you know, visit one of our cities um, as a, you know, business traveler or as a tourist, order the service and, you know, ideally, you know, they can't even tell that you know obviously it's a different human being who's processed that mm -hmm. yeah and i mean there's been though you had no playbook for this did you because it is such a unique offering that you talk about how many bags you've already um you've you've handled so far through this process there must have been you know as part of this learning there must have been some moments where you thought oh no um i mean obviously i don't want you to you know tell oh, me any well, disasters me tell <laughs> on, i'm happy to share some of the disasters <laughs> because that's actually the best opportunity for learning mm -hmm. um and you know it's simple things that you expect to you know be common sense that that sort of you know pop their way up. I'll give you a great example. I remember um, it was probably like maybe nine months after we launched the business. We had, you know, we were feeling confident, feeling good. And then um, I believe there's a hiker in Seattle puts their muddy hiking boots into their loopy laundry duffel bag. <laughs> okay. And 
And, you know, obviously there's no protocol for this. And we had instructed all of our washers previously you to wash everything in a bag together and don't question it. Right. <laughs> and as you could imagine, this particular individual decides to also put white t-shirts in their duffel bag. Now the customer didn't realize that we don't just automatically separate items because everything in a bag gets washed together, but they also didn't, you know, realize that they probably shouldn't put in their dirty hiking boots with their, with their order. Um, and so as, as you can see where this is heading, uh, the, the, the washer followed the instructions that we provided them and washed everything in the bag together. And sure enough, every single white t-shirt now started looking not so white. Um, and so it's, it's moments like that, where as the founder, you're like, wow, I never could have predicted that happening. Um, but then, you know, you, you adjust, you pivot, you, you introduce a new, um, you know, thing. And now we instruct people, if you see something really bizarre, that is not, you know, on the range of acceptable or normal to wash, then flag, <laughs> you know, one of our operations team members, and we can make, you know, the judgment call or even reach out to the customer ahead of time and say, Hey, just so you know, uh, we're not, you know, putting your, your yeah. muddy hiking shoes through. through and, the and it's moments like that, that as you say, uh, you know, you, you are able to, you know, just tighten up the, the procedures and, and know that, you know, if something like that happens again, then um, you're prepared for it, um, which is, uh, which is amazing. So in terms of, of, of that type of thing, you know, accidents happening, Talk to me about insurance because that's a different side of the the whole trust mm. and safety thing. So people are, are handing over their clothes, um, and some yes. of them like muddy hiking boots, um, muddy or not, hiking boots are expensive. How how does this work? What how have you managed to make the um, the users of this be you know be protected? Well, I would say early on and, and to this day, even the best way that I can guarantee that the users are protected is to protect them myself and, and to be fully committed to, you know, I mean, in the case of the, the hiking boot scenario, the, the boots were fine, but it was the shirts that were damaged. Yeah. I bought that customer brand new t-shirts and we sent it to, um, I think their home address, I want to recall. Uh, Cause they weren't, they weren't living in Seattle. They were staying in a hotel. Anyways. Um, we, we said, look, it's our bad for not telling you don't put hiking shoes in the duffel bag. We just assumed that was, you know, um, a given, but nevertheless, <laughs> you know, I protected that customer by getting them, you know, new t-shirts. And that's really the mindset that I think is important to foster, uh, you know, early on, whether you're, you know, in, in, you know, month nine or you're in, you know, year nine, right. It's, it's about, um, you know, proving to your customers that you're going to advocate for them, even if they might be not, you know, necessarily innocent themselves. It's, it's trying to work together. Um, and, and obviously not, you know, necessarily putting it on the art, you know, amazing washers either. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Assuming that no one was like negligent. Right. And um, yeah. so, so in terms of insurance, we really, um, you know, have been fortunate that, you know, the issues like, like the hiking boot issues are not happening, you know, call it one out of every 10 times, right? If that were, if that were the case, uh, it would have been very difficult to even get to this point. Cause you know, if you do 55,000 bags, one out of 10 times is what is that? 5,500 issues like that. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to even have this conversation with you though. Yeah. Uh, cause 
we'd be underwater. <laughs> so fortunately, our success rate is, you know, I think um, just very, very high. And so when there is a unfortunate circumstance out of people's control, freak accident, you know, um, who knows what happens. And um, we're able to really give that, you know, attention and and um, make yeah. sure that, you know, people, all, all parties feel like they're being treated fairly. Now, tell me a bit about um, the different cities that you've you've reached so far over the US, because one thing that strikes me about your expansion is do you find that there is a different, maybe a different sort of almost is cultural the right word, but attitude towards laundry in different cities? Because, you know, um, maybe in the UK, we don't tend to have sort of shared laundries um i think that's quite an american thing in a in an apartment block that's maybe not quite as common here so just different things about the way that people do things their attitude towards their laundry diff- different sort of um social or cultural things depending mm. on what city you're in have you noticed anything like that do you have to sort of tweak your your kind of recruitment messaging or your marketing or anything when you reach new place Oh, it's such a great question. And it's something that I think about incessantly because, you know, we're trying to pursue product market fit and we're trying to understand who are our customers. Um, you know, I would say there's two two major parts of, of this that I'd love to share with you. Um, one is that overall, what we've found, you know, being in nine cities, you know, from Denver to Dallas to Atlanta to Chicago, is that by and large, our residential customers, they order the same quantity of, of, you know, duffel bags, you know, they have the same volume of clothes on average, and they tend to order in the same time intervals. Um, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. And, and that sort of makes sense, because, you know, human beings, you know, sort of exist in the same ways, regardless of city. Mm-hmm. What we found that is interesting, is that, you know, in certain cities, um, especially when it comes to like, um, commercial uh, businesses, um, they have different, r- really different approaches to doing laundry. Um, and so that's been interesting on the sort of commercial side. So, you know, in Seattle, we have so many, um, you know, um, spas and, you know, um, you know, small business clientele, you know, dental offices, um, dog groomers, you know, uh, skincare places, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, in a city like um, Chicago, it's been a little bit harder for us to um, make inroads there. And I think, you know, it, it comes to, they might have had a system in place for longer that, you know, feels good for them laundry wise. Like I think, you know, a lot of the barbershops in Chicago, they have like a, a you know, a system that, you know, they're, they're less likely to you know, convert on a sales call than a barbershop in, in one of our other cities. Um, so there's small intricacies like that. But I think the big takeaway for us is um, there the laundry is universal enough and a big enough pain point for enough members of the population that if they know that Loopy exists and that the services are available, um, you know, we can guarantee that a certain percentage of them will you know hopefully try loopy at yeah. some point in time yeah. well can i just say john i would try it in a 
in an instant if it was available in Edinburgh here. So please hurry up and expand. <laughs> um, and in the meantime, people listening in who want to find out more about Loopy, it's loopylaundry.com. And what city is next? Are we allowed to say where you might be heading next? You know, we uh, have a few uh, cities in the running. We're actually doing some um, analysis right now um, on that. So I, I don't want to uh, let the cat out nope. of the bag just yet. <laughs> but um, I think if everything continues to go well and if we continue to um, you know, bring on some really incredible um, partners and, and just you know try to scale this to the extent that we know it's possible, my goal is to... Um, you know, add value to as many lives as possible and improve um, lives, um, you know, from both, you know, the standpoint of our certified loopy washers and customers. And so if there's any way we can do that um, in as many cities as possible, um, you know, I want to make sure that we're able to get loopy active um, in most neighborhoods and hopefully one day across the pond as well. <laughs> that would be brilliant. I love what you're doing, John. And it's just a company that has such a big heart and um, yeah, look forward to to hearing about your success in the future. If anyone wants to reach out to you, John Vincent Lee on LinkedIn, um, and I'm sure you'd be happy to connect with any members of the Marketplace Risk community. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today, John. Thank you, Al. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to check us out at marketplacerisk.com for information and resources to help startups launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on all of our conferences, summits, virtual events, and more.